Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Television Archive, a show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is The Blue Planet and Blue Planet 2. Today we will be discussing The Blue Planet Episode 4, titled Frozen Sea. Uh, Yet another really, really good, really, really fascinating episode uh, that I very much enjoyed. Starting to feel kind of redundant to say that literally every single time, but eh, whatever. I have to intro this somehow, and I don't have anything better. So, you get that literally every single time. Uh, So... I talked yesterday about how pretty much every single episode of The Blue Planet so far has had a core takeaway, a core idea, a core concept that they have been trying to hammer in every single time. With this one, I would say that core takeaway is that the frozen areas of this planet Uh, the Arctic, Antarctica, Uh, those places, those environments are changing literally all the time. Uh, Of all the environments we've seen on this show so far, uh, this, it is by far the least consistent because it's just like basically a play it by ear type place and they explore this very, very well. They convey this very, very well of, like, just one second, the land will be frozen solid, like, it'll just be one giant ice paradise where everyone's walking around freely and it's all good, and then the next, it'll be like, oh, there's a bunch of fragments of ice, sort of, splitting off, and there's these corridors of water, and now all these other creatures are coming in and feeding off of stuff, and they'll be having a great time. And then the next second, those new creatures will be like, oh, crap, winter's coming. Unintentional Game of Thrones reference. Uh, we need to leave. And some of them will be, like, trapped in the ice, which is strange to think about, but that is a thing that happens. Like, creatures who will usually just be, like, summer residents get, like, trapped in, like, little pockets of water within the frozen landscape, the newly frozen landscape. Uh, And it's just this constantly shifting, constantly adjusting place uh, where... Where it will look radically different ecosystem-wise. Radically different... uh, What's the word? Uh, Radically different population-wise, depending on what time of year it is. Uh, And they put emphasis on that very, very beautifully. Uh, I especially love this one segment they do 
on polar bears and how they affect on their own uh, the entire Arctic. There are a lot of animals. There are a lot of creatures that just sort of adjust their whole lifestyle around polar bears, essentially. Like, there are multiple forms of seals that breed on patch ice and abandon their abandon their offspring fairly quickly simply because polar bears are on the solid land, polar bears are on the solid ice, therefore we cannot risk getting on, like, the solid ice. We have to be on this patch ice, which is unstable, and we gotta get off it pretty quickly, so we abandon the offspring almost immediately, like, after a few weeks. Uh, and there are a couple of instances where we see various polar bear hunts. Uh, the episode starts off with the polar bear basically stalking this one settlement of, I believe it was beluga whales? That got enclosed in the icy landscape. So, they live in like this one segment of water with this one hole at the top that they're just taking turns going up to breathe in. And then a polar bear comes around and is like, hey, here's a hole full of beluga whales that are just sort of locked in to this one little uh, patch of water. And it just sort of starts standing around the hole waiting for beluga whales to pop up. Because, like, they can go down into the ocean. They can go down into the water. But they have to breathe once every 20 minutes at least. And so when they eventually, like, just all come up to breathe, this polar bear just pounces, attacks them, and is just like, Hey, I got me a dead beluga whale. I'm gonna eat it now. And it just starts munching on it. And also, it's not just the polar bear that munches on a beluga whale. There's actually multiple other creatures that just rely solely on bear kills for their food in the winter. Uh, There's this one species of bird, I believe it was, that just swoops down and is like, Hey! Uh, Oh, it was gulls. Uh, These gulls just... Swoop down and are like, yep, I'm picking off of the of the bear's plate there. Uh, these Arctic foxes come around and just start picking it apart. And it's really fascinating how just the actions of a polar bear kind of affect large swaths of this ecosystem. It, it's really, really cool and really, really fascinating. Uh, there's also this one segment with... Uh, some seals. So, this one species of seal, I forget what the name of it was. They basically form holes in the ground. The, the seal pups sort of dig into holes in the ground and sort of bury themselves to hide from predators, such as the polar bear. And basically what happens is this polar bear, uh, with her cub... By the way, the cub is, like, the cutest thing on the planet. Jesus Christ. This polar bear just sort of goes around and is like, Here's a seal. Crap, I can't talk. 
Here's a seal lair. Punch ice over and over and over again. Oh, no seals here? Crap. Well, moving on to the next one. And it's just this, like, trial and error of find seal lair. Punch it open. No seals? Oh, well. And then moving on. And there's, like, this 1 in 20 chance that it'll actually work. That they'll actually get a seal. And there's one moment that's, like, so tense where this polar bear, like, finds a seal lair occupied. But the seal pup sort of escapes at the last possible second. And the polar bear is like, well, crap. That sucks. Moving on, I guess. Uh, but I really, really liked all the stuff they did with uh, the polar bear. Uh, with following the polar bear in this episode. Uh, there's also segments on a couple of species of penguin. Uh, a couple of... Uh, Penguin clans, a couple of penguin colonies, both of which were awesome. Uh, so there's a segment on chinstrap penguins, who apparently just roam the seas for a while, and then go to this one place to to breed. This one place to sort of make new penguins and they make this trek and it's in like really aggressive really choppy really unforgiving waters where they have to just keep like dashing and jumping through these huge waves and stuff uh they have to jump onto icebergs to rest When they eventually get to their destination, they have to hope a wave comes big enough to carry them onto the land. And then they settle near a frickin' volcano. So there's no snow, no ice. It is a nice, temperate place. Not without its risks, but still... Much less unforgiving than the Antarctic Tundra. And they just sort of chill underneath this volcano. And that sequence was really, really cool. Uh, And they also follow Emperor Penguins in probably my favorite segment of this episode. Where they're just like, okay, uh, here's some penguins. They're going to collect food for their for their children, for their chicks. They're diving in just off of uh just off the edge of the ice, just off the edge of the sea. Collecting some fish, minding their own business, having a good time. Uh then a freaking leopard seal shows up. And it's just like, "Hey, I'm eating you now." And then the Emperor Penguins basically have this moment of, Oh shit! Run away! And just launch themselves onto the surface. And then they go back. They go back to their little colony, which has a massively large amount of penguins. Thousands upon thousands of penguins. And they have to, like, find their their chicks. 
Like, they have to call to their chicks and just sort of pick them out of a crowd. Which, I imagine if I were a parent, would be the most relatable thing on the planet. So I'm sure plenty of parents got pleasure out of this scene. Seeing that penguins, they're just like us. Uh, And then the other set of parents just goes and like, okay, now we're going to collect food. But now they know the leopard seal is there. And they're just kind of huddled at the edge of the ice like, oh, oh, shit, we don't want to go down there. Like, no one wants to be the first to risk getting eaten by the leopard seal. And it's just this cat and mouse game. At one point, the leopard seal comes on land to try and get a penguin. And the penguin's like, oh, no, dive, dive, dive. And it just goes into the water to avoid the leopard seal. Uh, But for the most part, it's just watching and waiting. And then eventually the emperors are like, just screw it. And they dive in and they make a break for it. Make a break for uh, more open waters so they can collect more fish. But, unfortunately, the leopard seal snatches up a penguin and eats it brutally. So, successful hunt for the leopard seal. And everyone else is fine. Most of the penguins are safe. It's just the leopard seal got a portion of their population. Oh, but it's this great little tense segment that I absolutely loved. That's probably the best portion of this episode. Uh, There's also one scene. They do not focus on this one creature for an extended period of time. But this was so effective to me. Like, this was such a fascinating thing that I wanted to bring it up. So there's this creature called a Weedle Seal. Or a Weddle. I don't... I I think it's Weddle, actually. A Weddle Seal. And it's sort of... It's sort of, like, locked in. To the Antarctic ice under the water. But it has this little breathing hole. A little hole in the ice that it goes up to to breathe. But it has to keep it open. So what it does is it uses its teeth to sort of scrape open this hole. Make sure it stays uh, open. Make sure it stays available so it can breathe problem is it also like grinds away at their teeth so that they're like totally ineffective hunters and uh, apparently Weddell seals they die real young they do not live very long lives at all like I just found that fascinating that like here is a creature that locks itself into so inhospitable of a position That it has to sacrifice its ability to hunt food in order to breathe. Which eventually just leads to... Eventually leads to prolonging the inevitable. Like, it's just... It's fascinating to me that there's this creature that, like, falls on its sword, proverbially speaking, so heavily. It's weird. It's really, really weird. Uh, But yeah. Another solid round of Blue Planet goodness. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. 
and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing the Blue Planet Episode 5. Talk to you then.